thank you for coming to the podcast. This is Top Turtle MMA Podcast on CageSidePress.com. I'm Daniel Gubby Freeland. Joined as always by my co-host Shockwave Dave Tremonte. The UFC once again back in the apex for UFC Vegas 45. Chris Dawkins versus Derek Lewis. We will be breaking down that fight as well as some of our other favorite fights on this main card as part of Fights, Dogs, and Parlays, where we also give you an underdog and a parlay that we think will give you a big fat wallet this weekend. And as always, I am bringing you guys the interviews, and we have got some absolute killer interviews this week. First, I'll be talking to Stephen Wonderboy Thompson as he gets ready for the co-main event against Bilal Muhammad. He talks about his recent Gilbert Burns fight and so much more interesting stuff. And later on in the show, I'll be talking to Andre Ewell, who is talking about having his son in the, the the gym with him getting ready for this fight as well as you know bouncing back from a two-fight losing streak moving up to featherweight there's lots of interesting things in there with Andre as well so make sure to tune into both of those but before you do I have to quickly let you know that this episode is brought to you by Better Than Vegas. Better Than Vegas is the home for the avid sports better providing insights analysis and free betting picks. It's like the YouTube for sports betting so head on over to betterthan.vegas where you can browse search and follow handicappers and sports personalities as they give you their thoughts on upcoming sports contests in every sport imaginable. You already read and listen to these people in some way, shape, or form, so get them all in one spot straight from their mouth in every sport imaginable. So if you head on over there, you can also check out my bonus pick each and every week. That's right, I'm giving you a bonus pick that you can only find on the Top Turtle MMA page on Better Than Vegas. Better Than Vegas brings you this episode of the Top Turtle MMA podcast, and it starts right now. The hosts are ready, the fighters are ready, listeners, make some noise if you are ready for Top Turtle MMA with Shockwave and Gumby. All right, and joining me today is Stephen Wonderboy Thompson, who fights Bilal Muhammad at UFC Vegas 45. That is on December 18th. So, Stephen, before we get talking about that upcoming fight with Bilal Muhammad, I did want to ask you about the last fight. Obviously, it doesn't go your way against Gilbert Burns. I'm curious because it was one of those fights that people were pegging as a stylistic matchup, the karate guy versus the jujitsu guy. You both knew what each other were trying to do in there. Was there anything in particular that surprised you about what Gilbert Burns did, or was it just that he executed better on that day? No. Yeah, there was, there was a thing that actually surprised me in there. And uh, what surprised me was I didn't expect him to win it the way he did. You know, he's known as a jiu-jitsu black belt. He's got some good striking, but I didn't expect him to literally take me down and just hold me there the, the whole time. You know what I mean? I was, I was super disappointed. I'm like, please tell me he's not just going to hold me here. He literally, he, he used all of his energies just to hold me down, right? I figured he was going to be going for submissions or, or um, you know, some, some bigger strikes down there, which allows me to get back up to my feet. But he was just like, adamant on not letting me up you know what I mean and it was funny because after that uh his his coach was like you know hey man I'm sorry we did we want it we you know we want it that way but that was the only way to fight you so um you know it was disappointing in my part uh that in that um you know he got the takedown and he just did everything he could just to hold me down and and I, I was crazy how strong that guy was 
ridiculously strong. I mean, he was using every ounce of energy just to hold me down. But that's what I was more disappointed on. Um, the fact that I let him take me down, dang it. And he just held me down there. I definitely understand that. Now, it, it seems like, you know, you're you're sort of hinting at the idea that it, it was a safer approach from Gilbert Burns. And I almost feel like if you look back at the fights that you've had in your career, a lot of fighters have taken that approach with you. You know, the, the second fight with Tyrone Woodley is more that way. And, and really, if you look back at, at a lot of different fighters, a lot of them have treated you that way. Is that a frustrating thing for you looking back at kind of the, the long history of your career and seeing a lot of dudes just try to stay away from everything you do? Um, not really. It, it actually It's actually easier for me, to be honest with you, um, because... I have to prepare everybody the same way. You know what I mean? There's no real change to it. I know at some point there, these guys are going to try and take me down or still, you know, either they're too aggressive and they get knocked out or they just kind of back away um, or they're constantly just shooting and shooting and shooting. Um, so, you know, I'm really excited for this fight because it's kind of similar. He's, he's a similar stylistically kind of like Burns. He does like to strike a little bit more. He's not afraid of that. But I just want to show the UFC and the fans that I can fend off those those, those guys, the, the wrestlers, the the guys to try and take me down. My, my wrestling defense is a lot better than that. So it's almost like a, a round two, you know, with somebody close to Burns. But it's really not that frustrating because I got to prepare everybody the same way. Well, and, and you actually anticipated my next question there perfectly is, is I was going to ask you about Bilal Muhammad being very similar to Burns and the fact that he likes to wrestle, but he does like to strike more. Do you expect him to strike a little bit more with you? Or do you sort of expect him to try to replicate that game plan that he just saw and that execution that he just saw and, and try to do, you know, almost exactly what Burns did? Yeah. I mean, I think he's going to try and maybe take a note out of Gilbert Burns book and maybe try and shoot for the legs and maybe try and wrestle me more. But man, uh, you know, he's in for a rude awakening for sure. My last fight, it was weird because during training camp, it was almost like I was and especially out there, I had a, a mindset switch, you know, and the mindset I had going into that was I was too worried about what he was going to do and not what I was going to do to him. So now I have that mindset switch. Like, I don't care if the guy shoots, man, I, I'm going to do what I do. I'm going to hit, I'm going to move, I'm going to kick, I'm going to punch. You may see a takedown from me. You never know. <laughs> so, um, you know, I, man, I'm, I'm just itching at the best to step back out there and do it again. And, you know, after a loss, after every loss, man, I, I come back stronger. I come back stronger. So I'm ready, man. I'm ready. Wherever the fight goes, I'm going to be ready for it. But I do believe he's going to maybe take a book, uh, a note out of Gilbert Burns book for sure. Yeah. And you actually anticipated another one of my questions. I was going to ask you about rebounding from a loss here, right? Because like, you know, the Tyron Woodley loss happens. You absolutely put a beat down on Jorge Masvidal. The, the Anthony Pettis loss happens. You demolish Vicente Luque in an absolute violent way. And I was going to ask you, what is it about the turnaround from a loss? What is it about preparing after, you know, maybe even seeing some weaknesses of your own that makes you so untouchable in that next fight? Well, I think it's because I know that I'm better than what how I performed when I when I lost. Right. Of course, the Anthony Pettis thing just happened. Right. But it, it aided me a little bit. Like, why did I why did I not see that punch coming? Right. And the Woodley fights, it's like, I know I won that fight. Like, I, you know, just I, I felt like I won those fights. It was so close with the champ and it could have gone either way. Of course, they gave it to him, but I felt like I won it. And I, I don't like to lose. I do not like to, I'm very competitive, but, and I, but I never look down on myself about it. Like, I know I'm better than that. 
And uh, it just lights a fire in me, man. It really does. Um, I get back into the gym literally the next week, the next, the day after I fly home and I'm back into training again. So it just lights a fire in me, man. It really does. I know I'm better than that, how I performed my last fight. So, and I, and I, and I take it out on the guys that I'm preparing for next. And uh, I like Bilal Muhammad. He's a great guy, honorable man. And um, it, I'm just excited to step out there in, in the cage by the end of this year. I wanted to get two fights in and made it happen, baby. Well, we're, we're excited to see you in there again, too. And, and I'm just curious, too, you know, you mentioned in there that, that you know, the Anthony Pettis thing was sort of a regret. You, you feel like you won the, the Tyrone Woodley fight. Do you look back at, at parts of your career at this point in time? I mean, you're, you'll be 39 in a couple of months. I, I'm not trying to put the, the retirement, you know, jinx on you at this point or anything like that. But are, are there times you look back at your career and you think about, like, what the highlights are, or what the, the regrets are at this point? Oh man, I, I I look I really not the the regrets at all because I don't regret anything, man. This has been such a ride and I'm still along for it. And I don't ever look at it as you know as lows because I've learned so much from them. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Even after a win or a loss, I become a better person. Not just a martial artist, a fighter, but a better person, better human being after those losses, man. And I learned so much from it. And I use that to better myself. Right. I know a lot of people and I'm uh, like you said, I'll be 39, but you got guys like Glover Teixeira who's in his forties, just won the title. That gives me inspiration. But what I think keeps me going too is, you know, obviously I want the title, right? The money is just a bonus, but the, I, I train as hard as I can because I'm trying, I try to be the best fighter that I can be the best, the best uh, martial artist. How, how good can you get? How much can you push yourself? How, how better can you get? Uh, and I think with that mindset, not just I want to win, I want to win, I want to win, or I want to get the title, I want to get the title, because I know a lot of guys who have that mindset, but they don't put in the work to do it. You know, I try and I don't think about it. I just keep going. I think with that mindset of just bettering yourself, you know, everything else will fall into place. The, the, the wins will come. Well, I love that martial artist mindset. Now, I'm curious to, you know, you've said, you know, you've got a lot more. You you have all of that drive to keep pushing. People are going to start asking the retirement question. Is it not even crossed your mind at any point in time with all of those people, like you mentioned, the Glover Teixeira's in there of the world who have done things like he's done? Does it just, it's never even crossed your mind? You are at that point where you are like in the thick of your career still? Yeah, man, it really hasn't. And it's funny because when, you know, you get some, you know, get a few losses under you and mine's not really been back to back. It's been sporadic. And most of the loss that I've had were so close, you know, so close. And I'm not banged up. I'm not beat up. Uh, I train very smart to keep my body healthy. Uh, Man, I will do this as long as my body will let me. Or when my coach, my dad says I'm done. <laughs> I think when my coach knows me better than anybody, even myself at this point, because, you know, as a fighter, we just want to keep on fighting. But sometimes it's not to the best of, you know, your, your, your health. So, and I, we've kind of made that, 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 deci- that, that decision. When he doesn't see that fire in me or he thinks I'm taking too much punishment, he says, I'm done, I'm done. I'll be done. I'll listen to him. So, um, I got years, man. I'm yeah, I'll be 39, but I'm a young 39 year old and I love it. I love to compete, man. 
I, I I love hearing that. Now, of course, you you have taken very little damage. There's one knockout finish in your entire career. No submission finishes in your entire career. So I, I'm definitely on board with that. Now, I, I did want to ask you about the rest of the welterweight division right now, because obviously you're up at the top, but there are some changing names in the division too on the way. You know, obviously the, the name at the tip of everybody's tongue is Kamzat Jemaev, but obviously like Guys like Bilal Muhammad, guys like Sean Brady are sort of storming up the division. And a lot of them are these like wrestler types. What have you thought about the influx of talent into this welterweight division and, and kind of how they they disrupt the, you know, the Gilbert Burns and the Stephen Wonderboy Thompson's and the Leon Edwards, who's kind of just been at the top of this division for year after year after year? I think it's great, man. I think it's great that we got these new up, up and coming. It's almost like we made a full circle. I remember when the UFC had those just just beast wrestlers coming in right and everybody else kind of had to had to evolve with it had to get better at their wrestling and it's kind of come like for a full circle you got a lot of these guys at a a, a a high level of wrestling which i like mick because it, you know it makes me have to improve it makes me have to get better and i think that's one of the reasons why I, you know i'm ranked number five and a lot of guys ranked above me sit there and wait and wait on titles man and you know uh when it was me doing the up and coming, right? These guys at the top, like Jake Ellenberger and Johnny Hendricks and Rory gave me the opportunity to try and beat them, to take their spot. And I kind of want to give that back to those up and coming guys like Vicente Luque and Jeff Neal and Bilal Muhammad, not just the guys that are ranked above me. So it keeps it fresh and keeps me, keeps me hungry, right? Keeps me hungry for the title. So I don't like to wait. I, I love that mentality. Now, before I let you go, because this is the uh, just about the, all the time we've got here, I, I wanted to ask you for a prediction here. You said you've got a good feeling about Bilal Muhammad. You 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 like what your chances are at stuffing that takedown and getting your striking going. How do you see this one ending on December 18th? You know, I never predict any knockouts. If it happens, it happens. If it doesn't, it doesn't. You know, I always visualize my hand being raised at every fight. I'm prepared for three Actually, I've been preparing for five, five-minute round war. I know it's a three-round three, three, three uh, fight, but I always do the championship rounds, and I'm ready for a war. I'm ready for a war. So even if it is tough, man, I'm, a, I'm prepared for it. So I just visualize my hand being raised. Well, we're looking forward to it. Once again, fans, this is Stephen Wonderboy Thompson, who fights below Muhammad at UFC Vegas 45. That fights on December 18th. Stephen, thank you so much for the time, man. I really appreciate it. Anytime, my brother, anytime. I Hopefully we can do it again soon. Well, we hope you enjoyed that interview with Stephen Wonderboy Thompson. I once again am Daniel Gumby Freeland, joined now by my co-host Shockwave Dave Tremonte. Dave, let's start here this past weekend. An absolutely insane card, but here's the question I've got on my mind for you. Juliana Pena beats Amanda Nunes. Where do you rank that all-time in MMA's greatest upset? I rank it very low in MMA's greatest upsets, and I'll tell you why. Maybe this is a controversial opinion, but to me, I've seen Amanda Nunes lose before. I saw Kat Zingano TKO Amanda Nunes back in 2014. Now, Amanda Nunes went on from that fight to win a billion in a row, defeating the then, at the time what we thought might have been the GOAT female fighters in Ronda Rousey, uh, Cyborg, any and all comers. Misha Tate is up there too as a legend of women's fighting. And we've seen her be dominant in this run, but I've already seen her lose before. And certainly she's a different and better and evolved fighter, her peak form the past few years. 
this to me is not like when I saw Henan Burrell lose. It's not like when I saw, uh, even to a certain extent, just because the hype was so strong around him, when Conor McGregor lost to Nate Diaz. It's not even like, uh, you know, take away Brock Lesnar's BS loss to Frank Mir with the knee bar that he didn't really know how to properly escape in his first UFC fight, second overall in the May fight. But, you know, when he finally looked human against Cain Velasquez, those were more surprising to me. What do you think? So this one was maybe more surprising to me than a lot of the ones that you mentioned. But I will say this. I don't actually think it's you're you're right. I, I, I don't think it's as big of an upset in the grand scheme of things. Um, I, I certainly did not see it happening. It shocked me that it happened. It shocked me how it happened. But ultimately, like when it comes down to, you know, what the fighter was beforehand and what the, you know, the, the goat in this case was at the time, you know, like Juliana Pena is somebody who five years ago, we talked about being a champion and now five years later she is. Um, so like if we're talking about somebody, you know, performing the greatest upset of all time, it's hard to say that somebody who we had pegged as a champion became a champion, and now it's a shocking upset. Um, whereas, like, you know, uh, the the big ones for me, Holly Holm beating Ronda Rousey, and granted, hindsight's twenty twenty. We know what Holly Holm is now. But remember, she had had a split decision win over Raquel Pennington and a decision win over Marion Renault, and that was it. And she walked in to see who we all thought was maybe the greatest women's fighter of all time, and she head kicked her into oblivion and beat her. So, I mean, like, she picks up her first finish in the UFC against somebody who we all thought was invincible. I mean, like, that's got to be up there for me. Um, you know, like, the only thing that maybe doesn't make GSP versus Matt Sarah it is maybe, like, the, the you know, like, we, we weren't as solid on GSP being a GOAT at that time. But even then, like... Like, like, like Matt Sarah at that time was literally on a show where it was like a whole bunch of people who we had casted off and thought we'd never have to think about again. And here he is winning like a weird title shot in that way. I mean, we had him on the same level as Travis Luter, uh, and he won a title. So, I, I mean, those two still stick out to me as being the big ones, um, and they probably always will. That's not to take anything away from Juliana Pena here. I think this is a big upset. I think it's, but ultimately in like the historical significance of that upset, we saw somebody we thought would be a champion one day become a champion and it didn't happen when we thought it would, but uh, I, I do agree with you. That takes a little away from it. Here's the last thing I'll say on it. Um, I, you go through the first round and this is Amanda Nunez's fight. I would love to have seen the live betting on that. I'll have to look that up or we'll get the intern on it heading into the second round. You know, you're feeling pretty good in the neighborhood about Amanda Nunez at that point. Um, but that being said, I love how certain people online, you know, the, the MMA Twitter, which we know can be the best place and the worst place at times starts attributing things. Oh, it's post-COVID. Oh, she's got one foot out the door. She's a champion now. She's making thicker envelopes. She doesn't like the hustle. She doesn't like the grind, talking about Amanda Nunes. Oh, she's a mother. Oh, this. Oh, that. They start making these excuses as to why the performance wasn't there. Well, I'm going to say something very simplistic. How about she just got clipped in the fucking chin? Maybe it wasn't that her training camp was off. Maybe she just took a fucking shot to her temple excuse my language, maybe it wasn't that she doesn't, she lost her love for MMA, LOL. 
maybe she just got fucking clipped. And I'll tell you what, Amanda Nunes is the minus 350-ish favorite in the rematch. So, you know, I, I don't think it's a different Amanda Nunes. I think Amanda Nunes just got caught, and Juliana Pena is a boss who capitalized. Yeah, I, I, I agree with that, too. I'll also say, like, and you know this is a guy who's trained jiu-jitsu, sometimes you show up to the gym, somebody can put you in the deepest rear naked choke you've ever been in in your whole life, and you're going to take that until you're half an inch away from going unconscious. In some days, somebody will le- lay on you the wrong way, and you'll think about tapping out. And some of that is just, like, where your headspace is that day, too. I also think some of that probably comes into play. Sure, she probably did get hit too, but also sometimes athletes just fucking have off days. You know, Steph Curry goes 0 from 10 from three-point once in a while. It happens. So, you know, like, yes, props to Pena. She probably tagged her. But also we may have just seen one of those days that Amanda Nunes hasn't had in a very long time. Now, that all being said, I am so into this rematch, you know, the goat reclaiming her throne, the lioness trying to keep her place at the head of the pack. I mean, this is like a Disney movie or something. I don't know. I mean, it it sells so well. And I don't think there's been as much interest in Amanda Nunes as there should be, given how good she is. The loss almost, I I think, is going to rally a lot of fans behind her. And, you know, I think her greatness will be more realized if she comes back and and wins it back. That being said, the UFC, I think, just talking about this from a business standpoint now, nothing to do with the fight itself. I think the UFC is probably very happy here. They have multiple money fights now, as money as you can get with a new female champion. Uh, you know, Amanda Nunes did not set the box office on fire with her initial title run, and that was coming off of wins over Ronda Ra- over the GOAT at the time, Ronda Rousey. In Pena, she had the big upset, so she has this big rematch with Nunes lined up. You, the UFC just loves the former friends forced to fight storyline. So her and Misha Tate are close as Amanda Nunes, even though I don't think Misha deserves a title shot. We're probably going to get that at some point in 2021. And uh, you also have Shevchenko, who holds a win over Pena. So that's a fun rematch to see Shevchenko come up and try to become a double champion. So that's three, quote-unquote, money fights. And I'm sure the UFC also, it's not lost on them. They love the cute CEO. She's the Venezuelan vixen. That's the kind of thing they just love putting on a marketing poster, you know? Yeah, I agree. And I, I actually, uh, judging by what I've heard and, and the fact that John Anik suggested it, I would not be surprised if, if Shevchenko fights Pena before Nunez is ready. Um, because uh, notoriously, Shevchenko is always down to fight. And she is kind of without challenger right now. There is not a clear-cut number one challenger in the flyweight division. So it would not surprise me to see her move up and really almost force the UFC's hand to do Nunez versus Shevchenko three, which is another money fight that they get out of all of this that they might not have gotten otherwise. Right. So very interesting. Um, And I'll tell you what else is interesting. It's our favorite edition or our favorite segment on the show. I should say it's the newest edition of fights, dogs and parlays. And this week we'll be breaking down UC Vegas 45, but Gumby, before we get into it all, giving the fans a couple of fights, we like a couple of live dogs and a parlay to play. One may wonder if anyone sponsors this edition of fights, dogs and parlays. 
Absolutely. Fight Stocks and Parlays is brought to you by Double Nickels Sports Betting. Check out Nickels over on Instagram at 55DoubleNickels55 because my guy will send you five picks each and every morning from NBA, NHL, MLB, and of course MMA. And I'm not lying when I'm telling you he's hitting five almost every single day. And if not, he's hitting four of them. And unlike those other guys who are trying to get you to follow their picks, he's giving you far more than that. He hits you up with tips and insights and constantly puts you at the front of the game. Don't believe me? You might be alone because nearly 27,000 people are following him now. And with prices that never exceed 10 bucks a day and go as low as 4 bucks a day, there's no reason not to give him a try. Plus, if you mention our podcast when you sign up, he'll hit you with a 10% discount. Don't delay. That's at 55DoubleNickels55 on Instagram. Double Nickels Sports Betting. Double Nickels 55 Double Nickels Sports Betting. We love it. It goes hand in hand with us because we are a couple of gambling fiends, but not in like an unhealthy way where you need to worry about us. All right, let's get on then with the main event. Very exciting heavyweight fight here. The UFC loves doing this. It's the old guard versus the new guard, Derek Lewis and Chris Dawkins. Uh, Dawkins has arrived in the UFC and just set the world ablaze. He's 4-0 and in the UFC. Three performance of the night bonuses, four TKOs, KOs unbelievable arrival at heavyweight is the 32 year olds brought a lot of excitement to the heavyweight division. You also have, we saw it this past weekend with Tai Tuivasa with a big win. Heavyweight's starting to feel good again, I think for the first time in a while. Uh, and he'll be fighting Derek Lewis. What a name he could build off of. Lewis is essentially at this point for me, the gatekeeper extraordinaire at the heavyweight division. We saw him lose in a UFC heavyweight bid back in 2018 to Daniel Cormier. We saw him lose last year at an, a chance at an interim title to Cyril Gain, who will go on to fight, fight Naganu for the real title this year. So this was perfect, right? Dawkins trying to build his name off of Derek Lewis. Uh, and if you want to know the odds on this, Dawkins, a minus 140 favorite, Derek Lewis coming off the loss. Now, he had four wins in a row before that, beating the likes of Curtis Blades, Alexander, Alex, Alex excuse me, and Alir Latifi. Um, but he will be a plus 120 dog here. So, Dawkins, the minus 140 favorite. Derek Lewis, the plus 120 dog. Who you got? I'm going to go with Dawkins here. Um, I, I'm a little I, – I, at first, when they, they announced this match, I kind of assumed I was going to go with Lewis. But the more and more I think about it, I actually do think Dawkins has got a really good style to beat Lewis, right? Like, Lewis is looking, first of all, for somebody to shoot in. That's actually the time he tags you the worst. We saw it with Curtis Blades. We saw it once in a while with Ilya Latifi, although he didn't finish Ilya Latifi. But he likes to catch people coming in and dipping their head and stuff like that. Dawkins isn't going to shoot on him. I'm positive Dawkins isn't going to shoot on him. In addition to that, I kind of think Dawkins can do a lot of the same things that Alexander, uh, Alexander Volkov did to Lewis. And now, granted, he did lose that fight in like the last 15 seconds, but he largely dominated for three rounds. I think Dawkins can kind of pick and move from the outside. He's incredibly fast for a heavyweight. Like, I haven't seen a heavyweight with hands this fast in a while, and that's... You know, even before considering how he looks, because he doesn't look like a fast guy. Um, but he's got very fast hands. His boxing's quick. His boxing sharp. I think as long as he, uh, you know, respects the power and recognizes that his defense needs to be as quick as his offense, I kind of think he picks Derek Lewis apart here and probably gets him tired. And once he gets him tired, I really think he's going to take over here. Because I've seen Chris Dawkins in some deep fights. Obviously not in the UFC, but I saw him in CFFC get into some later rounds. 
and, and he's got the gas tank to keep going. So I, I actually think he's going to wear out Derek Lewis here and probably get a stoppage late. Well, you know, it's Derek Lewis. So if you, I, I've done, I've gone down this road before. I agree with you. I think it's Dawkins's fight. I think he could wear him down. I think it's going to be a big win for him. But at the same time, Derek Lewis second round <laughs> KO. Yeah, I'm not shocked. Yeah, uh, you know, we're, we're all on the same page here. All right. Uh, very fun co-main event. It's like you blink, and the next thing you know, it's a Stephen Wonderboy Thompson fight. Um, just always exciting when he fights and watching people try to figure out the puzzle. He's coming off a unanimous decision loss to Gilbert Burns. Did not look great there, but beat Joff Neal, beat Vicente Luke before that. So he's 2-1 and one in his last three. Uh, he is a minus 250 favorite, and he'll be fighting Bolil Muhammad, who's really on a nice streak himself, other than a weird no-contest eye injury to Leon Edwards. He's won uh, five out of his last six, the six being the no-contest to Leon Edwards, coming off a big unanimous decision win over Damian Maya. Um, so he is a plus 200, but what a win this could be to keep building his resume. Does he have it in him to figure out the puzzle that is Stephen Wonderboy Thompson? I don't think so. Um, and, and I like Bilal Muhammad, but like, look, Wonder Boy is a better striker than Bilal Muhammad, right? So I can't imagine Bilal Muhammad on his feet beating Wonder Boy in any way because, first of all, he doesn't have a knockout in a very long time since his second UFC fight. And I believe he's fought 13 or 14 times in the UFC at this point, which, by the way, snuck up on me when I read that Bilal Muhammad fighting 14 times in the UFC sounds shocking. But Wonder Boy is going to outstrike him. I'm positive of that. Bilal Muhammad doesn't have the knockout power to put him away. So then what path to victory do you give him? He's got to shoot the takedown. And he's like three of his last 20 takedown attempts in the UFC. And not even against guys who who have the takedown ability and the distance management of Stephen Wonderboy Thompson. So, yeah, I I think Wonderboy picks him apart. You wouldn't even, it wouldn't even surprise me if I saw Wonderboy catch him on the way in and knock him out. Um, Look, I, I think this is a pretty easy pick here. You go with Wonderboy. And listen, if a Stephen Wonderboy Thompson fight isn't enough to get you excited, here's an exciting fight just from a prospect standpoint. You have Matthews Gamrat, who has two performance of the night bonuses in his UFC career. He's one and two in the UFC. The two wins are against Jeremy Stevens via Kimura and Scott Holtzman via KO, and earned himself two performance of the night bonuses for that. He'll be fighting Carlos Diego Ferreira, who's coming off two losses himself, to Gregor Gillespie and Benil Darouche before the two loss two losses to, you know, tippy top of the division. He had wins over the likes of Anthony Pettis, um, Mirbak Tysimov, uh, Jared Gordon. He actually reeled off six wins in a row before running into Benil Darouche and Gregor Gillespie. So trying to get back on track, he is the plus 155 dog is Carlos Diego Ferreria and Gamrot, a minus 180 favorite. Who you taking? I'm going with Matthews Gamera, and I actually am very happy with this line. I thought he'd be a much larger favorite. Uh, the thing about Gamera is that, like, I just think – I think he's an absolute beast when it comes to wrestling. I mean, we saw him do it to Jeremy Stevens. If you watched any of them when he was over in KSW, like, he was doing that same kind of stuff there where he was just absolutely dominating people. And I, I know you mentioned the loss to Guram Kutataladze. Really, in my opinion, he won that fight by decision. I, I couldn't believe the judges gave it to Kutataladze. So I actually think Matrius Gamero is probably a guy who we should pay attention to at the top of this division. Great wrestling, phenomenal jiu-jitsu, and 
should this fight stay on the feet? I actually think he has a boxing advantage over a CDF too. So yeah, I'm all over Gamera on, on this one and especially at negative 180. All right. I like it. I'm not going to argue with you. Uh, our underdog of the week is Josh Parisian, uh, plus 170. Let's hear it. So I like Josh Parisian here against Dante Mays for a couple of reasons. The big one being his gas tank. Uh, in a heavyweight fight, especially one where um, both guys have won by decision recently, I-, I favor the guy who looks like he could fight in a third round over the one who doesn't. In addition to that, I think Parisian is better wrestling. I think Parisian has a chance to submit him. He is going to have to, kind of like Chris Dock is going to have to avoid that big punch from Dante Mays early because he's got that big power. But we've seen Dante Mays get submitted before by kickboxers and the like. So I actually think Parisian's got a chance to do that early. And as long as he does that early, he'll also wear out Dante Mays to the point where he's probably going to coast easy. So at plus 170, I'm really liking that number. All right, and our parlay to play, we've already spoken about Gamrot. We like him and putting a parlay together with our boy, Gerald Mearshart, who's minus 220. So take Gamrot at minus 180, Mearshart at minus 220. Two favorites, but it gets you plus money at plus 125. Break it down. Yeah, so Mearshart, for me, is a no-brainer. And we're, we're pairing him together with Gamrot because Gamrot, like I said before, I, I love where the line wound up on that one. So for me, Mearshart was supposed to fight a much tougher opponent in newcomer Abus Magomedov. So he winds up getting a late replacement in Dustin Stoltfus, who is supposed to be fighting somebody else on the same exact card. They pretty much only got matched up because they're the same size. Gerald Mearshart, a phenomenal grappler. Stoltfus lost twice via grappling. Uh, Gerald Mearshart on the way up, just submitted Mahmoud Muradov, Stoltfus, as I just said, 0-2, facing back-to-back losses, now fighting another guy who can outgrapple him. I think it's just crazy that they got paired up, but hey, that's what happens when two different people fall off the cards. I believe one was COVID and one was a visa issue, and they just happen to be at the same weight class. So expect Mearshart to dominate in the grappling early and often. You can score two phenomenal jiu-jitsu grapplers here in this parlay and get plus 125 on the return. Boom. Well, we sure hope you enjoyed this edition of Fights, Dogs, and Parlays because we enjoyed bringing it to you. Gumby, this train is a moving down the tracks. What happens now? So we're going to transition now to my interview with Andre Yule, who is fighting on this weekend's card against Charles Jourdain in what should be a very exciting match. We talked about that, training with his son in the gym, and oh, so much more. So tune into that interview right after I tell you that this interview is brought to you by Maroon Social, M-A-R-U-N-E. Maroon Social is the one and only social media app for the martial arts enthusiast. Whether you do kickboxing, judo, sambo, jujitsu, or any other martial art, make sure to download Maroon Social so you can log your training sessions, tag your training partners, log competitions, weigh-ins, and oh so much more. Ditch that dirty jiu-jitsu journal and get yourself Maroon Social wherever it is you download apps. Maroon Social brings you this interview with Andre Yule. All right, and joining me today is Andre Ewell, who fights Charles Jourdain at UFC Vegas 45. That fight is on December 18th. So, Andre, I want to start by talking about this fight and your choice to move up to featherweight, because a lot of your fights have been at bantamweight. We did see one catchweight fight at 140. What's the reason behind you deciding to go up in weight after, you know, fighting in the lower weight classes for so long? Well, I get to eat. (laughs) (laughs) That's literally going to be always my main basically my best uh, response to that question you know uh, I finally get to eat I don't have to worry about uh, cutting the extra 10 pounds when I make it to 145 throwing up or end up putting my body through hell and when I could easily just go up fighting basically the same people 
at that weight class, you know. Um, I can literally spin circles into the situation, but at the end of the day, it's me able to end up eating. That is always going to be my best answer to this question. <laughs> I love that answer to that question. So now I got to ask too then. So you, you said throwing up and that last 10 pounds was really brutal. How, how much of your fights were you, you know, out of it physically because of that last 10 pounds, because of, you know, throwing up during weight, or, you know, weight cutting week and stuff like that? I'm going to go ahead and say, uh, I'm going to say like out of 15 minutes, it's basically I'm good to fight. For those 15 minutes, but those are like in spurts and explosiveness of when to press the button, when not to push the button type ordeal, you know. So when it kind of came into that, uh, the whole not eating and then finally able to eat, it ends up taking like a toll on your body. No matter how you end up looking at it, it does. Like, you know, a lot of people end up cutting 10 pounds or 12 pounds at the last day. And then for me, I tapered it. So I basically put myself in a bad circumstance for three weeks changing the way that i eat by going vegan not eating no uh no meat and everything and then it turned into the last week where if i ate anything my body won't allow to uh, allow it to keep or stay with me so i'll end up throwing it up or sometimes i had to end up forcing myself to throw up it'd be like certain things like that where i had to end up making weight for it you know um but as i stated just sitting there switching and turning off the buttons of not able to perform the way I need to perform. And those little outspurts can end up either put me in a bad predicament or in a bad place. And me going up weight, I don't have to worry about that because now I get to honestly just fight for 15 minutes without worrying about one certain thing or if my stamina is going to be there or will I have enough energy to honestly go through something or not go through it. I, I so, love that. that. That's awesome to hear. So we're going to see the same Andre Ewell as we see in those spurts. And that is obviously a, a huge benefit in this type of fight. But now I'm curious, too. Are you noticing other benefits that maybe are even beyond that as you get ready for this fight, as it starts to creep up? Oh, definitely. You know, because uh, granted, like I had good stamina back then. And I know a lot of people end up, oh, he doesn't have stamina. or He normally gets tired at this version. It's like not really in that in that like statement that they end up placing it. It's more that that I end up have to change my style for my stamina to work the way it needs to work. So first round, I'd be very explosive. Second round, I'm more technical. And then third round, it's whatever I got left, I'm, I'm giving it to you, you know. But this time, it should be uh, technical, but at the same time, spurts throughout round one, two, and three, if we even make it that far. I'd love that. Now, curious too, because, you know, you're talking about loving to eat. And you're talking about, you know, how hard it was to make 135. Am I wrong? You you used to make flyweight, correct? You used to make 125. How the hell did you ever make flyweight? See, now, I know they put that in, like, the back of the stories. They got a lot of stories that don't even make sense to me. Like, one, there was one story saying that my hands have been blessed by dragons, you know? <laughs> Holy water. I believe that is true, but there's stories like that, you know? Uh, I never ended up dropping down to 25. Not even thought about it. The lowest I ever got was was uh 34 and only time that i hit 25 was passing you know when i was a kid and i know they got it marked in into in the books it was because i ended up fighting willie gates on that one and it, uh you know he moved up weight but they just left it and king cage they left it as he was at 25 i don't know why but we only got down to 35 for that fight me and him 
Oh, well, that, make, that makes a lot more sense. I'm, I'm trying to imagine your body frame at 25, and, and it's doing some terrible things to my brain. So <laughs> For you, let me just imagine it, because it's funny that, like, everybody at the gym costs keep bringing it up, and I'm like, y'all, y'all, y'all being weird right now because my body <laughs> allowed that. We should all know that. I'm barely making 35, you know? <laughs> So, so before we get talking about the actual fight with Jordan and, and some of the things we like stylistically in this fight, I did want to ask you too, you know, you're talking all about food and, you know, now you're getting to eat, you're getting to eat more often. What's a big fight, fight week food for you? And what's your big cheap food when you're done with fight week? Um, big, um, normally I always go to ramen, but now it's like, I don't have to do it because <laughs> I'm still going to end up doing it. So let's just be honest. I'm still going to eat ramen, but it's one of those. It's one of those uh, cheat meals for me. It was always ramen because all the sodium like gets all back placed in my uh, my body and everything. So that was always the go to. And I'll say uh, my cheat meals would always be. Granted that I own people will not call it a meal, but it'll be like those little chocolate cupcakes. <laughs> those chocolate cupcakes. It'll be life. Like you know, uh, those would be my like. Hey, I'm gonna sneak one in because normally during my weight cut, it's always sweets that it'll be in the middle of if you ever catch me cheating on my weight it'll be me eating sweets i promise it'll literally be be in the corner taking a bite and then be like yeah it's nothing type thing you know so that'll be uh that'll be 100 percent me i'm like a vampire too when it comes to those chocolate cakes little cupcakes i promise you well it's good that you might be able to have one of those without breaking the bank now so uh let's talk a little bit about this fight because you are getting kind of an exciting fight style for you i feel like in in charles jordan he's a guy who likes to throw a little bit on the feet he likes to have a, a technical fight but he is you know more likely to stand and bang with you which i feel like is is maybe your preferred method do you prefer to have somebody who wants to fight like that against you versus somebody who perhaps is going to shoot 10, 15 takedowns in a fight? Uh, I'm always going to prefer someone who wants to stand up and strike with me. And that's actually an added reason why I was a fan of Charles, uh, his style. Like he's explosive, sneaky, and technical at the same time, you know. Uh, I know that he's a black button. I know, you know, uh, he has a great ground game, but it's one of those other things that I also have a good ground game and that whole nine. Got to think about it. I have defended and worked with a whole bunch of floor people. The majority of my fights were all black belts. Um, like, you know, it kind of just constantly, like, flow into, you know, what would automatically please the fan. And I know he is a crowd pleaser, just as an I am. So me versus him, it's very suited for it to steal the fight of the year, you know. And at the same time, it could be the knockout of the year. At the end of the day, that something big is going to happen next weekend. It's going to be between um, Charles and Jordan. And I definitely feel like I'm the favorite one to uh, honestly in the fight with something big. Well, we're looking forward to that. I'm hoping that it happens. Now, before I let you go, I did want to ask you a couple of questions because poking around your Instagram, I see a lot of pictures of your son, June, in your gym with you during your fight camp. And I'm just curious, what is that like for you? Do you feel extra motivation for it? What's it like being able to share that time with your son in preparation? Oh, it's beautiful. Um, It's 100% amazing just to have him able to sit there and watch me. And it's really funny as that he really does sit there and he is learning. And if he sees me shadow boxing, he will start shadow boxing or he loves to start shadow boxing with me with the kicks, that whole thing. He sees me hitting mitts. He wants, he's up there next. It's like, if I hit in the bag or he sees me spar, he's there. He's like, you know, he's like taking everything in like a sponge. It's really a, it's amazing. And just the fact is that I honestly get to end up talking about it or even talk to him. I'd be having normal conversations with him, like as if, 
you know, he's adult already. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of funny. It's like, and I know what he's talking about. Like, I feel like he's like, he's saying like, yeah, dad, I got you. You know, yeah, you know, you, you're doing great. Or yeah, you know, we're going to end up uh, winning this fight and we're going to keep on moving forward and, um, you know, go on from there. Um, like I stated, like my boy's my hope and, you know, and he's definitely keeping me driving forward no matter what. He's like, I'm doing everything for him and also for his um, older brother. So it's, it's me just honestly making things wonderful. And he, by him being on my side, it's just making everything beautiful. Well, that's an absolutely beautiful thing. And, and I'm glad to hear it. Now, before I let you go, I got one last question for you. Uh, I am a connoisseur of MMA nicknames. I love hearing stories about where they come from, how they got there. Obviously, Mr. Highlight is a very, I, I mean, it's a very easy nickname to understand. You've got a lot of highlights. You are a highlight-styled fighter. But do you mind sharing with me? Who bestowed that nickname upon you? Where it came from? How it became your nickname? The people, man. The people. I put up a, uh, I put up a, like a votes of what name should be it because the name that I had before that was uh, Afro Monkey, and you know at USC they weren't like really having it, and granted the force <laughs> to have it next fight and everything, but yeah, they wasn't with it, so I ended up uh, putting up a little poll with like four other names, and everybody just kind of gravitated to Mr. Highlight. And just as you said, it was because I was always posting highlights or putting together highlights and I'll end up posting it once a month or twice out of the month. And they just kind of, it just kind of suited and fit it. But the thing is, that's, that's, uh, that's Gaethje. That's Justin Gaethje's uh, name. So that was like one reason I was like, yeah, I'm, you know, Mr. Highlight, but at the same time, that's him. He can keep, you know, that's his name. So I got to kind of like move over a little bit. So uh, right now, I want to be called Mr. Willie or not Mr. But Willie Beeman. You know? <laughs> so I'm definitely with that name or go back to Afro monkey and call it a day. But if not, Willie Beeman is going to be the guy that's here to steal the show. Yeah. <laughs> I, I love <laughs> Willie Beeman. That's a great one. Now I, I do have to ask though, even though it's maybe not the UFC's uh, favorite nickname, I got to know where did Afro monkey come from? Where, where did that one uh, fall upon you? Well, truly it was like a little uh, fun, uh, fun name that just kind of came up uh it was with my i'm gonna go ahead and say my little nephew which is my best friend's uh daughter uh or niece my apologies my niece my, my best friend's uh daughter she ended up popping up in with the drawing and was like oh what about afro monkey and it just like kind of like fit it was fit it, it really fit and i was like you know what i like it and i was like and i can end up building something really off of that and and next you know it persona's just kind of like kicked in and then Afro Monkey was it was the thing for me, so everybody loved it, and the shirts that I made for it and everything, it was like yeah, it's very um, fitting, little uh, monk samurai type version of of, of me, but in, a, in you know with an afro, and it was kind of pretty cool because I, I placed it in a, a Bruce Lee outfit, the 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 yellow and black, so mm -hmm. kind of yeah, it was just kind of like went with everything. I, I love that. So I, I love all three nicknames, but I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing Willie Beeman in there, too. Uh, so what, what, one last piece here. So I, I usually like to get a prediction before I let my fighters go. Uh, you said, you know, could be a knockout of the night, could be a fight of the night. How do you see this one ending uh, in your perfect view? Uh, perfect view, first round. Um, a super flying me. Call it a night. I like it. All right. Well, you heard it here first, folks. This was Andre Yule, who fights Charles Jordan at UFC Vegas 45. That fight is on December 18th. Andre, thank you so much for the time, man. I really appreciate it. Hey, thank you for having me. I appreciate you, dude. 
And that's going to do it for another episode of Top Turtle MMA Podcast. We want to thank you, the fans, for tuning in each and every week. We would not have a show without you guys. We also want to thank all of our sponsors, Better Than Vegas, Maroon Social, and, of course, Double Nickels Sports Betting. And, of course, you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Top Turtle MMA. Until next week, I'm Daniel Gubby-Vreeland. He is Shockwave Dave Tremonte. We will catch you then.